Reading from Genesis 29 and 30. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Then she said, Here is Bilhah, my maidservant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me and that through her I too can build a family. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife. Jacob slept with her, and she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because of this, she named him Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister, and I have won. So she named him Naphtali. We grieve with the Lord over the tragedy that has been taking place in Haiti, over the overwhelming loss of life that has gone on there. And every day we read in the paper more death and more tragedy. Another earthquake hits. And I'm drawn to the tragedy of it, and I'm also drawn to another part of the story that has Pulled my heart. And it has been to the faith of the Christians in Haiti and how they have grabbed a hold of the Lord in this time. The Idaho Statesman reported At night, voices rise in the street, sweet and joyful, musical voices and lyrical creole, a symphony of hope in a landscape of despair. It doesn't mean anything if Satan hates me because God loves me. Sing the woman at Jeremy Square. And they continue to sing on, God has already paid my debt. Lionel Massey, who is a stringy woman with a deep, sad voice who lost a child in the quake, sings next to Rosanna Roche, who is a fiery-eyed woman whose husband is buried under tons of rubble. And Roche says this, I still have faith in God, and I want to give him glory. And so the collective family of God 
in Haiti gathers outside their destroyed churches. And together, they continue to give praise to God. I want faith like that. I want a faith that will continue to give praise to God. I want to live in trusting Him, even in the middle of the craziness of my life. You know, I think although we may never go through an earthquake quite like has happened in Haiti, in our lives, in our daily journey of faith, in, in our life in Christ, you and I will go through many quakes. We'll go through many times where our world is shaken. And I want to seek the Lord. And I ask the question, how do we live like those in Haiti right now as we go through those times? When we feel alone, when we, when we feel in despair, isolated or unloved, when we're angry at our situation, when our souls ache, when we are utterly empty, I want to remain in praise. Not some fake smile on my face, not just raising my hands and saying, this is what I'm supposed to do, but a deep connection with the living God in my life, knowing that he is my Lord, that he is my Savior, that he is my rock, that he has my life in his hands. And because of that, I give him praise for who he is in my life. You know, as we have been going through the story of Genesis and the patriarchs and what their journey has been, it started to stir in my thinking this idea of remaining in praise. Because as we watch the journey of the patriarchs, as we watch the journey of the wives, these men and women of God, many in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, and we watch their faith, I think oftentimes we would say it is inconsistent at the least. It's all over the road. And there'll be times where they they just, it's almost as if God is not there in the middle of their lives. And he's just spoken to them. And we see this this journey that, that at the same time will turn around and will be radical and zealous for God. And we go, yes, they've figured out who he is. And then again, they go on and they live life on their own and in their own strength and they do what they want. And I, I love, I hope like you do, I love the humanity of our, of our saints who have gone before. I think many of us can identify with them, can't we? And we go, our faith journey is, it's up and down. And as I watch their lives, as we read together in the, in the scriptures about their lives, I love that we can identify and at the same time, I, I don't want to develop an attitude that, that says, well, you know what, the patriarchs messed up and, and God forgave them and, and so they moved on and, and so, you know, I'm just going to keep living the way I'm going to live. Paul says, should we continue to sin so that grace might abound? And his answer to his question is, by no means. I hope that we study and learn together and as we read about these patriarchs that we that we would grab a hold of their lives and we would see where they would hold on to God, but we'd also learn by their mistakes. What they go through when they sin against God, the consequences of their choices, that we wouldn't just look at that and dismiss it. It's God's way of showing us, listen, you want to choose life without me? Here's the outcome. When they choose to live for themselves, I don't want to go down that same path. 
I don't want God to be absent from my journey. And I hope the same is true of you. I desire to, to live in righteousness. I really do. And I hope you do as well. Remember Jesus as he shows up to teach? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be satisfied in God and his love for them. Here's the truth about you and me today as followers of Jesus Christ, and here's the joy. We as followers of Jesus Christ live in what we call the age of the Spirit. We live filled with the Holy Spirit. When we accepted Jesus Christ, he filled our lives and he gave us life. And he lives through us and he ministers to us. And so when we go through these times where our world is shaken, we can remain in praise because of his life through us. It is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. And his spirit comes alongside of us and gives us strength. And I pray for us as a a family of Christ that we would remain in praise through the power of the Holy Spirit, giving him all glory, even when our world is shaken. And Father, I do pray that for us this morning. I pray for us as we struggle when our world is upside down, when we don't understand. I pray that your spirit would fill us that your spirit would remind us of your love for us, that your spirit would remind us that you have us in your hand. And so, Father, many of us come weary and broken this morning. We come tired. And you tell us to take your yoke upon us, and it is light. And so, Father, we want to be yoked with you this morning. We want to remain in you. All praise to you, our Heavenly Father. Amen. As we look at Genesis 29, Leah, her world is shaken. The scriptures bring us right to where she's at. She is unloved. She is in a place where nobody cares about Leah. She's overlooked. The Hebrew gives us a deeper meaning that that she is hated in the camp. Now you have to remember that Leah was the one who, with her father Laban, came up with this plan to sneak her into the tent in place of Rachel and to present her as the bride. And so Jacob woke up in the morning and there was Leah and not the one he had been seeking after, Rachel. Everybody knew for seven years that Jacob was working to attain the union with Rachel. Again, this is tent city. People know what's happening in the camp. And so when the trick happened, when the deception took place, can you imagine her reputation in camp? She was unloved. She was hated. She was broken. She was alone. Every day waking up and people looking at you with disgust, she was utterly forgotten. It reminded me of some of these news stories that we've seen where there was a woman in Haiti who was lying on the side of the road. And they kept driving by her thinking it was just another dead person. And they kept driving by and they kept driving by. Finally, somebody stopped and gave her some water. She was dehydrated and passed out. Leah was considered the same way. 
dead to that camp. And then the Lord stopped by and picked her up in his arms and gave her water, gave her living water, and ministered to her soul. And you go, why does the Lord show compassion upon Leah? Why does he minister to her this way? She's the one who did this master plan. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. You know, one of the things that you cannot miss about the character of our Lord is that our Lord is the lover of the broken and the outcast. Our God hears the cry of our heart. Our God responds in love and grace to the wounds that we go through. And I think you'll find in our lives when we're in this place, this place of the lonely tent, I think it's here that in our emptiness and our brokenness and our desperation that we are open to God speaking to us, aren't we? When we, we've arrived at a place where we have nowhere else to turn. Isn't it funny how the Lord's voice gets much louder at that time? And we're open to hearing from him. He is the God of the broken. And what he wants each of us to know this morning, like he wanted Leah to know, is that he absolutely loves you. That nothing is going to separate us from his love. That's the character of God. And he ministers to the broken. Just like he ministered to Hagar in the desert when she was kicked out of camp. And Hagar says, you are the God who sees me. And I will name this well, the living one. The God, the living one who sees me to the core. I just saw that movie, Avatar. Have you seen that movie? And they, they speak to one another, the Avatar do, and when they understand and they go deep into each other's lives, their, their expression to one another is, I see you. I know who you are. I know what you're going through. I know your feelings. You are not alone. And God blesses Hagar, if you remember, gives her children, many more, And the child that she has is Ishmael, which means God hears. She is the broken and the outcast, and she is ministered to, and God sees. Leah is loved the same way, and so are you and I. God sees, God hears. The character of our God is to enter in with the broken to enter in with the unloved. He steps into our lives. I'm always amazed throughout all of Scripture that God steps into the lives and, and, and he, uses, he uses people who are the second class and he ministers to people who are the ones who are the outcasts. He enters in with, with the low class and the left out. He, he steps in with the forgotten and the abused and, and he loves to come alongside the failures and those who are in the pit And he hears the cry of them, like in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned and he heard my cry. And he lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and the mire. 
And he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. How can we remain in praise when our world is shaken? I think we need to come to a place where we know the character of God. We know that he sees us and that he hears the cry of our soul. He knows when we're lonely, when we're empty. He knows when you're going through this physical situation right now that you're absolutely afraid of what the outcome of that's going to be. He knows your struggle when you're out of work and wondering the future of what is going to land. He hears your cry in your broken marriage, which seems hopeless to you right now, and yet God is surrounding you in the middle of it. He cries with you over the death of a loved one. He knows when you feel like you're never enough or you don't have value. Our God sees us and hears the cry of our soul. And when our eyes are fixed upon him, we can, we can praise him like the psalmist in Psalm 42 that says, Why is my soul so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. And so in the streets of Haiti, they report, they continue to sing, And one woman cries out, even if I die, I die with Jesus. And we can remain in his praise. May you know this morning that your loving God sees you and he hears your voice. He hears your cry. And so we give praise because God loves us in the middle of it. We can remain in praise, as the scriptures are going to show us here, by being satisfied in God's love for us. Again, the spiritual journey of these sisters is is all over the place. It really, this whole story reads, reads like a tennis match between Venus and Serena Williams. You know, these powerhouses going at it back and forth. And they're hitting the ball back and forth at one another, trying to to gain the advantage. Desperately trying to defeat one another. And the thing that you'll find as we read this story is this match, this battle, all of it is for the love of Jacob, for the love of a man. This whole war that feuds between these sisters is so that they might receive love and value from Jacob. And we see their spiritual journey as they name their children. God sees and he hears where Leah is at. And so he opens her womb and children come forth. And the the first one is Reuben, which means see a son. And she responds to that. See, God has seen my misery. And so she names him Reuben. Leah has some connection with God at this time. You've got to understand something. 
Leah, you know, wasn't raised up in the church, so to speak. She's raised in the camp of Laban. They had nothing to do with God. So we've got to understand that she is a woman who is learning about who the Lord is. The God of Jacob. She is a woman who is trying to figure it out. Just like many of us are. And so we need to understand that she isn't a woman who, she's arrived and her whole life has been raised up in knowing who God is. She's on the journey, just like you and I are. And she seems to have a, a glimpse that God is involved in the, in the giving of life in this child. See, God has given me a son. And here he is. And she acknowledges him in her life. How about you and me? Do we acknowledge God involved in every place of our lives? Heavenly Father, I pray, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life, O God. I acknowledge you that you are holy God, hallowed be thy name. She has some glimpse, some concept of God is working in her life. And yet at the same time, her hope is misplaced. Oh, he has given me a son. Verse 32, surely now my husband will love me. Misplaced hope. The love of God is there being poured out. And she is seeking love from Jacob alone. Yet God is grace upon grace. And so another son is given. His name is Simeon, favorable, hearing God has heard me because I am unloved. By Jacob, where are we placing our hope? The scriptures remind us, my hope alone is in the Lord. He is my salvation. He is the only one who is life. She still acknowledged the Lord, but she misses his love for her. Psalm 36 says, your love, O Lord, reaches the heavens, your faithfulness is unto the skies. How priceless is your unfailing love to me. Yet God gives her another son, Levi. Oh, that he might be attached to me, that he might fit me. This is where we got Levi jeans, by the way. It started right here. (laughs) That they might attach and fit well to me. No, it's true. True story. Oh, that he might actually be a husband to me. She's longing for this. You know, it's amazing here. God is slowly disappearing, isn't he, out of the picture. We don't see any acknowledgement of the Lord in this child. Sons are the ultimate blessing. Sons are everything. The lineage will come through. And, and bringing forth children means everything in the camp. You are a blessed woman. As you bring forth a child, she has brought forth three sons, and it still isn't enough. What else can she possibly do? What else can she do? You can see God speaking to Leah. Leah, you seem to have forgotten me, but I have not forgotten you. And she blesses her with another son. And his name is Judah. I will give him praise. 
Now I will give him praise. I will give the living God all of my praise. I have tried to receive love from my husband Jacob. I have wanted that love from him and him alone. And God has been ministering to my soul. And I will give him praise because he is my God. Her world is shaken. She is deeply alone and unloved. And God pours his love and his grace on her. This time I will give praise. And she finally turned from naming a son that expressed her yearning for Jacob's love and finally accepted God's love. Will you do the same? Will you receive God's love this morning? Leah focused, her focus changed from what she lacked to what she possessed now. And like the psalmist says, may your unfailing love, O God, be my comfort. You know what's interesting to me? The situation hasn't changed, has it? The situation is still the same. Jacob still doesn't show any love for Leah. He doesn't call upon her. He doesn't want to be with her. Things still are not going as planned. Things are still very plain, painful. But she arrives at this place of being satisfied in God's love for her. And so as I watch the journey of the patriarchs and their wives, I go, how do we remain here? I want to remain here in Judah. I want to remain in this place of praise of my God. And I think one of the ways that we remain there is we remember God's love for us. But not only that, that we receive his love into our lives that we allow him to minister to us, that we don't hold him at bay, that we stop seeking to be fulfilled in others, in relationships, in power, in our possessions, and we allow the Lord to fill us with his love as he pours it out, grace upon grace, that he is our rock, that he is our life. I'm like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and forever. Do we trust in God's unfailing love? I want to show you a little clip. Colt McCoy. That young man's world was absolutely shaken. The biggest game of his life, and he loses his arm in a hit. I mean, I grieved over him during that game. I was like, Lord, really? Heal his arm. But God didn't choose to do that. You know how many millions of people watch that championship? I want a faith like that. He says, Lord, you're still my rock. I trust that you have my life. I don't get what's going on here. Leah finally arrived to a place where she said, Judah, I will remain in praise. I will now give praise. The rest of the story goes into a wicked battle of sisters fighting back and forth, trying to top each other in the birth of their children. It's amazing to me. This became the tribes of Israel. They were born in the war of feuding sisters. 
And they ended up feuding their whole life. The children did. And the thing we also see in the life of these sisters is there was never a movement towards one another. And I just want to encourage you, if you have siblings right now that you are maybe in battle with, would you just ask the Lord, Lord, would you soften me to maybe somehow be the one to move towards forgiveness and reconciliation? This battle went on and never ended. I don't want that wrestling in your soul you trust in God to work through you to minister to your siblings. That you'd arrive at a place of, even though all this battle doesn't make sense, you know, you may be doing a, an estate situation where you have to deal with the estate with your siblings. That's hard. You say, Lord, it doesn't make sense. We're, we're battling here. But I will praise you in the middle of it. I will trust you. I will seek you because you're the Lord of my life. God also responds to Rachel and gives her children. Gives her Joseph and Benjamin. Says, I hear you too, Rachel. I hear your cry. And he responds in love. Grace upon grace. And so come the tribes of Israel. My prayer for all of us is that we would keep coming back to a place of remaining in Judah. And that we could say like Colt McCoy... I never doubted God in that. Glory goes to him because he is my rock.